Catalogs federate them all. <laughs> Enough, I forgot. It's already, Trina Summit is already passed nearly a month. Can you believe it, Brian? Crazy. Yeah, it, it, it flew by for sure. And and we had a lot of fun, including with our, our friends that are with us here today. It was, uh, it was a blast. Yeah, it was great meeting Bainan, Ben, Jasmine, and uh, from Alexio who are joining us today, as well as a lot of other people from the Trina community. And if you missed out, please do make sure we've been pumping out the blog posts on the Trino website with recaps of all sorts of cool stuff. The last one that just landed today is from Monica, who showed us Trino in the cloud in Starburst Galaxy. So um, lots of cool videos, slide decks and everything up and running on the website. And we're going to keep pumping a few more out, I think. Brian, aren't we going to finish before Christmas? Yeah, we're going to get... Uh, so So this kind of goes... This is the main recap post. Uh, so it'll just say Trino uh, Summit 2022 recap. Why is the... Uh... Hold on, let me refresh this and see if, uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, so it'll have the little Trino Summit thing on the top there and James Petty's uh, Bob Ross <laughs> uh, icon and uh, to to point out that I was very surprised to know that he wasn't actually Bob Ross. Um, so At least he has short, uh, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was great to finally meet people in person because I was like, who is the, who? what's the face behind the avatar there? Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, so we, we have kind of an overview of what, what was going on there, but then we get to these session summaries. And so, you know, you'll have a video, you'll have a, a kind of a read, read more, and that'll take you to the actual individual blogs where we actually summarize each each uh, talk that's that's going on there. And so, yeah, all, all of the ones that have read more by it have been published. Um, the ones that um, here, there's a couple down here. So Quora is going to be going out tomorrow. Um, SK, uh, South Korea Telecom, Apache Airflow, and then Upsolver are the last ones that are going to be uh, landing here shortly. And that should all be happening before Christmas. And then we'll have one final uh, Kaplawi, uh, like final summary to kind of wrap up all of this uh, with a nice little, uh, you know, uh, uh, summary video, kind of uh, drive some excitement around the next uh, uh, summit to come. And uh, that'll be coming out probably somewhere between Christmas or maybe may come out early, early next year, depending on what makes more sense. So, uh, so look forward to that. And, and just, there's so many good, I mean, I like, particularly the ones that really stand out to me, like Lyft, Lyft Shopify, um, the Apple one was incredible. Goldman Sachs. I mean, we had such a great variety of, of topics. A lot of them really focused in on iceberg, but then they all had their little niche kind of uh, areas of advice. So I highly recommend, yeah, check, checking these out. Uh, we had a, a lot of fun there. And uh, I don't know what, like, Ben on and, and uh, Ben, what, what, what was your guys' uh, impression of the summit? Like, did you guys have a good time? Yeah, uh, but I was there for a whole day. I, I arrived a little bit later, but like uh, almost a full day. It's pretty, very, very impressive for the high quality talks. Uh, but for me, the most important or most exciting part is really, I get a chance to talk to a lot of developers in yeah. the community and talking to uh, the maintainers for the Trino project. And also um, I get a lot of feedback and meeting the community people. Uh, to me, it's a very exciting journey. Like uh, I... I'm, I'm like, I'm a, a community person in Alexio, so I yeah. travel around, attend different meetings, different conferences and meetups. So um, there's one type of, or a lot of the type of conferences maybe more like, hey, showing case how, it's more, more on the marketing side, I would yeah. say. Like, but for this one, this is a very community, I would say like it's a very community driven, it's a technology yeah. driven. Um, it's funny, like the, the depth of the conversation 
I had in the in the, in the, in the conference is definitely very perhaps the deepest across all the conferences I. I attended. So yeah, I enjoy it. as a technical person. I enjoyed a lot. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that feedback. Yeah. We, we, we really wanted to kind of prioritize, uh, users over vendors for this and, and really start to hear the use cases and particularly get the advice that like, it's, it's incredible how much, how much good advice there is out there just by tapping your, like whoever you're working with or, or working on a similar problem to you on the shoulder and being like, Hey, what's what, how did you solve this problem? And, like the same problems, like we're answering a lot of the same questions over and over again, because these problems have been solved by like other companies. And so we're getting to the point where we're able to like, oh, you have this problem here, talk to this, this company. And so just getting people like up in front of everybody else to bring these ideas to the forefront is, is like what we're really trying to focus on with these conferences and, and not so much trying to make it like a, you know, uh, here's this new technology or this new startup that has a way to make things easier. Like those are actually sometimes enlightening talks too, but yeah, it's, it's, it's better to hear like in from the trenches, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you have like, I mean, you were there the whole day. Like what, what were your thoughts? Anything? Yeah, I stayed there for the whole day. Uh, I think that I have spoken to the, to the most the speakers. I think the most impressive things to me is something like I'm seeing, you know, Quite a few, you know, user or customers they, they are using iceberg. Yeah. Uh, because before that, I think that the majority of our community is still using Hive connector. Yeah. But now yeah. we are seeing more and more people that are using iceberg, and they have a plan to migrate their data from probably maybe like ClickHouse, Elasticsearch, or even some Hive table to the iceberg. Yep. Yeah. They, they really love, you know, this kind of new technologies. They they, they love the data lakes, and, yep. and also they enjoy the the advantage from the the iceberg or maybe hoodie or something else. Yep. Um, they really want this kind of thing to have a better you know, transaction management. And also they, they want to have a more flexible schema management. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm seeing the, the, the benefits there, but I'm also seeing the trouble there because most of them now are stuck at the, the data migration part. Uh, maybe they also have some some features not you know, there in the iceberg connector. Yeah. So I think there's still a lot of work to do, yep. especially for the iceberg connector. Yeah, we're we're really working on the migration story and and making that you know uh, a much more straightforward journey and and definitely today it's already like I mean the the thing I liked on the Shopify talk was when they were when uh, um, uh, oh my gosh I just blanked on his name <laughs> um, <laughs> not Matt I keep on Eric right is it Eric. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Eric. Um, when Eric um, was was talking about how like they were in the middle of the migration, they got stuck on something, and they literally just said, "Well, we need to like prioritize other things for a second. Came back two weeks later, and like just by happenstance, we had come out with the fix because that area of the code is so active, and so that's that's like what we're trying to really focus on right now is to like not just iceberg either, like. In in data lakes in general, uh, and doing the data lake house like form, like really start to focus on making the migrations away from Hive much simpler, like regardless, like regardless of like whatever you're actually moving to. So, so that that's definitely been a big theme in general that we're we're trying to uh, you know help help users get away from Hive. I think everybody just commonly agrees like Hive's Hive is outdated. It's it's got a lot of problems, and then like you know the future is going to be one of these these formats, maybe multiple of them for, for different reasons. The so, cool thing is, I uh, think also like 
all these new formats uh, and the companies behind them and the open source communities and projects behind them, they're all very nicely collaborating, right? Like yeah. we got yeah. the Delta Lake connector from Houdin, Tabulous looking after Iceberg, One House with Hoodie and stuff like everyone is trying to basically um, create a level playing field and collaborate. And I think that's really awesome. Starbust yeah. obviously helping a lot with all the Trino connector sort of work. So it's really yeah. cool. And it's kind of similar to the story we're telling today, right? Like uh, in the same way that you have uh, these, these different table formats uh, that essentially make it to where like, we, we as query engines have multiple uh, competitors, you know, like we have the Delta Lake, we have Iceberg and we have Hootie, right? And we are servicing all of them. But then on the same token, like each of them are servicing multiple query engines. In the same token, like this is the same thing that, we're, that, that you know, Alexio does, right? Uh, Alexio talks, to, ha, has kind of services multiple query engines. And uh, this is including like Spark, Presto. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, what was, what was, there's another one that's very, oh, a Flink, right? And so, you know, this being able to kind of add functionality and give people the option for whatever their actual use case is, is I think the actual like benefit of, of, of moving to open source, because in competitive land, it's always about do like kind of a more all or nothing narrative. And that kind of, that really sucks for people who are trying to actually build something of value specific to their use case. Um, and so I, I, you know, moving away from the all or nothing, uh, kind of, kind of way of ways of thinking, I think is very helpful when it comes to, you know, being in the open source. And that's really what, what most standards, most of these kind of like, let's make everything work with everything, uh, is, is kind of what we're getting to. And that's what, you know, we're, we're talking about a little bit here today with Alexio. Before we jump into that, though, uh, we got into a whole huge tangent here already. Uh, That's okay. That's what it's all about. Man. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, uh, do you want to give us a little bit of what's going on? Uh, you know, last last episode we talked about releases 402 and 403, and if I go to Trino.io today, we're still on 403. What's what's happening there, Manfred? Um, we are lining up for the biggest release ever. <laughs> I'm not just kidding. <laughs> We're making the elephant um, release. So we, it's been like, uh, Twitter Summit obviously delayed us in, in terms of our work a bit, right? Like, so we've been, yeah. that kept us all super busy. And then some of our contributors from uh, AWS found some blockers and then Starburst and I love is really worked together to get those blockers on uh, like uh, fixed. So there's two release blockers that were fixed, correctness issues and stuff like that. And then a whole bunch of things also still piled on and um, uh, cool things came in like uh, a new JVM option that uh, you should actually like set with Java 17 was discovered that just got merged yesterday. Um, and so we are trying to weed through a couple of uh, final contentious issues um, and get to uh, uh, remove the final release blockers. I think um, it might even hit this week, otherwise next week for sure. So um it's going to be an interesting one when it hits because it's going to be a longer release notes cole can uh, tell us all about the details next week next time right so yeah yeah I, so yeah ne next time yeah it'll be it'll be cole's great undertaking of basically having one giant uh one giant pr and like I, you know how do you summarize that usually we have like three bullet points we're probably gonna have to at least pull out like five or six right yeah right. Well, that's what it is right 
Okay. Um, real quickly, I wanted to, I, we got a question already coming in um, uh, from one, one of the viewers. Uh, so hi, Sujith. Um, is Trino community or foundation work on other open source platform connectors like Airbyte connector for Trino? That would be a game changer. So uh, at this current time, like I, I've, I've thought about like, um, so, so Airbyte, was it not Airbyte? Uh, no, uh, there's another one that competes with Airbyte called Meltano. Meltano builds on uh, the, these things called Singer Taps. And I always thought it'd be interesting if we created some sort of a Singer Tap, uh, um, uh, basically, connector that would, uh, that would integrate with, with one of those because that would ultimately, anything that gets developed in Singer then automatically gets pulled into Trino. Um, when I brought that up, though, uh, specifically that, that, that use case is like, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of interesting things that happen when you map stuff from like any, any source to Trino. And it's, it's, if you have something generic like that, that's kind of like a community maintained thing that sits outside of Trino, there's going to be a lot of like lag and all sorts of weird issues that then become our problem. And it's better to do it more on a, like a one-on-one -on -one use case. That being said, like, I don't know, Airbyte already kind of uh, interacts with Trino in a way like Airbyte dumps everything into S3 uh, and you can do it in parquet files and then Trino can read that out again, kind of getting back to like the iceberg or kind of data lake thing. Like that's kind of the, the sweet spot for how Trino uh, becomes super effective. Like connecting Trino in as like a ingestion uh, framework, like I understand the 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 thought there, but I think that uh, you're ultimately like going to be running Airbyte anyways, and essentially Airbyte would just dump all of its stuff into something that is Trino compatible. So Airbyte can dump into like Postgres, for instance, and then if you're so if you're looking for transactional capabilities, dump it into Postgres. Uh, like like when I say transactional, like full on RDBMS transactional. Um, and it, in that case, Airbyte would dump into Postgres and then Trino can read from Postgres or Airbyte can dump into like a NoSQL database or something like that. So I don't think actually having like a straight connector in from like an ingestion tool like like Airbyte would make sense uh, d directly, but maybe there's still a case to be made. I still think it's interesting to like have some sort of generic thing like a singer tap that that Trino could connect to, but I don't know if we would ever want to have that maintained by the Trino community itself. It would be kind of a cool, interesting project for somebody to just hack on and have have in their repo and be like, "Hey, tr try this at your own risk." But yeah, I think <laughs> there's a lot. I of think the the one thing that I think is that's kind of interesting, like um, connector, is kind of a misnomer sometimes. Like we have connectors that connect to data sources on the Trino yeah. side. And then we have client tools. Air, Airbyte as an ingestion tool could sort of sit on both ends. Yeah. Um, and uh, ultimately, we have documentation for all of this, right? Like you can write your own uh, client tool via the JDBC connector or use the Trino Python client and stuff like that. And also Jan and others have written more and more documentation on how to write a connector. So if you really want to work towards that, uh, please just do reach out and see what you can get happening as well with us, right? I totally agree. Uh, let's see. 
and Sujit. Wow, Sujit, you you hopped from so hold on. The original one was from LinkedIn, and then you hopped over to YouTube. <laughs> that was some magic right there. I love it. Uh, That's why watching. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for thanks for joining the uh, the the broadcast today, uh, Sujit, and and thanks for the great question. Um, and then, so with that, uh, do you have anything else you wanted to kind of cover on the releases before we we? No, dive I think we right should introduce Finan and Finn actually for real this time and roll into it. <laughs> Let's do it to the concept of the week. I'll never get out of the habit of saying week. It was ne it's no longer concept of the week. It is now concept of the episode. Yeah, and right. every time I see that I'm, I screw that up, I just hit myself in the head. <laughs> yeah, so before we dump into that, though, uh, let's just go quickly back and actually introduce Binan and Bin, because they're joining us today. Yes. And we've been chatting a lot, but we actually haven't even said. Uh, uh, so maybe Binan and Bin, do you want to both introduce yourself a bit and tell us about how you're coming to be part of the Trino and also Presto ecosystem and this whole world? Because you've actually been around for quite a while. Yeah. 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 Okay, I can start. Uh, yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Bin. I'm one of the founding engineers in Aluxio. And right now I'm the VP of, VP of open source in Aluxio and running teams to working with the, on, in the open source side. So uh, I started like a play with or on uh, play with the Presto or Trino, uh, maybe actually very very early in around 2015. Wow. I think uh, that time I we started like our team had a first uh, maybe very initial engagement with uh, uh, I think maybe e either with Martino or with uh, someone else on the team like at that time uh, in this on Presto. And, and so before very, that, very before that, you you all were uh, kind of um just just working on spark right it was just spark at, at that time yeah yeah so aluxio originally is really incubated from uc berkeley amp lab and that was around 2020 uh, sorry 2012 or uh, yeah 11 or 12 uh, 12 or 13 in that time like <laughs> the whole amp lab in berkeley is working on spark or spark related project yeah and yeah. uh the project was called taikan at that time uh is uh, you can think it's a sister project uh, with a Spark and solving the problem to help Spark managing the off-heap storage, in-memory storage, so we can persist the RDDs. If you there's if you persist RDDs to a uh, write through the RDDs to a remote storage, that can be slow, right? Yep. So we, we come up with this idea. Hey, you have an in-memory store. Let's let's, let's uh, pause on pause on the the definition though. Uh, keep keep going on your presto thing. I just wanted to to <laughs> double check that we were with. Yeah 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 yeah. We can come back late, this later. But yeah, essentially, uh, we later on we make this project not only work for Spark but also working for the entire Hadoop ecosystem. And yeah. presto, I think it, at the, around 2016, uh, at that time we uh, started some conversation. Um, I don't think that's the focus at that time, like to solving the data issue. Uh, mm -hmm. on Presto. So we were not going deeper at that time. So later on uh, in 2019, maybe, uh, or eight, 19, I think uh, we started to engage more because we hear, the I, I, okay, I, the first user I hear using Presto and Aluxio together is in a company called JD.com in China. Ah, uh, so, yeah. Yeah, they, they told us, hey, we're trying to using these two together and we see a lot of issues. Uh, and that time, actually, we found uh, uh, a bug in Presto and, and uh, contributed back to the to, to the to the community. And nice. later on, like we uh, we 
yeah, we found more and more users um, like a Trino or Presto are using together with Alexa. And if you think about that, like, it's actually very, this combination makes a lot of sense because yeah. um, once you solving the problem, have a federation over different data sources, now yeah. you won't have like more efficient input or more efficient yeah. output and for the next step. So yeah, we definitely see a lot of users. So that's the reason we jump into the community and working together. It's, I would say it's more driven by the community needs. It's not like us, we found, yeah. hey, this is an interesting problem, but more like, hey, uh, someone in our community tells us, I want to solve this problem because I want to run this project together. And you tell me how to do this. And I found this issue. You tell me, how do I solve this issue? Yeah, yeah. so that's exactly why we started. And we, um, and keep uh, since then, like we keep close integration and keep close relationship, working relationship with uh, with Presto and Trino communities. I think it's, it's very, to us, it's very important because uh, they are a very, I would say like a very important sector of the users for us in addition yeah. to Spark. So, um, and we see this is very valuable for us. And I, I mean, yeah. And so, you know, give us, you, you have a lot of background specifically in, in the, the Presto side of, of the, uh, of the, um, equation. And, and so like you, you all have been both you and Bain on have, have both contributed to, uh, a lot to, to Presto and yes. even to Trino. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, just, can you give us a little background about like, uh, you know, kind of things that you all do contribute, uh, from the Alexio side and kind of, uh, what features kind of cross pollinate there for, for you all? Maybe Ben Ann can do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ben Ann, yeah. Why, why don't you introduce yourself and then you can kind of talk about some of the contributions that kind of go hand in hand with like Alexio and Presto and, and Alexio now and Trino. It, it will be a long story. Let's <laughs> yeah. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Benan. I'm an engineer from Alexio. Uh, yeah, Alexio, I'm most working on the storage part. They call it worker. So storage mm. the, for the data. Um, I think I joined Alexio from one year and a half ago. Before I joined Alexio, I'm, I'm a tech lead of Twitter's Presto team. I'm maintaining the, the Presto cluster in Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you all know that in the early stage, we are seeing some scalability issue for Presto. If we have a larger cluster, say 500 or 800 workers, yeah. um, it's really a big trouble. So I'm just seeing a lot of complaints and um, I'm just keep fix bugs to improve the scalabilities and fix bugs and improve performance. Yeah. Um, yeah. After that, I become a committer of the other community, Presto DB. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we are trying to to fixing the not fixing, we are trying to improve the performance of the packet files. Because before that, we are seeing that the, the Presto is a totally CPU-bound application. Right? Mm. But after we, we make some improvement, like the, the error project, like we after we enable the reference push down, and also something like a packet batch reader, we are seeing the CPU usage um, getting lower. We are not just like always 100% of the CPU usage. We, 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 see, we are seeing, we, we, we can do something um, else, and uh, we, we are seeing that the CPU, the Presto can handle something more. But then we found the I.O. will be a, a new bottleneck because mm. the Presto is still fetching the data from the remote HDFS. Yep. And also the HDFS is not as stable as we saw. We are seeing uh, a super bad tail latency because something is different for HDFS. Yeah, for it, they have redundant storage. They cannot guarantee the, the latency. Yeah. So I'm seeing um, the this for this kind of issue, we need to speed up the, yeah. the I/O part. That's why 
I reach out to Beam. I think that our first conversation is talking about the local cache on Presto side, which means we, we, we can have a better data locality. We, 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 we can cache the data in the local disk of the Presto worker. Yeah. We cannot say that it's always faster than HDFS because nowadays the network is also super fast. But we can guarantee that the latency, the latency can be more stable. We, we yeah. can just avoid the tail latency if we hit the, the cache. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's the first time I, I talked to Alexio. I start working with Alexio team to see if the, the Presto cluster can get some benefits from Alexio's um, local cache or system cache. Yeah, I, I think, uh, but you know, for some other reason, I, I think, okay, let, let, let's just join Alexio team to just working on this project. And <laughs> Presto, to work better, not just faster. We, we, we can also you know, make it um, more stable. Also, we can also protect the HDFS because I also got a lot of complaint from the HDFS team. Yeah. You know, the Presto is a super strong computer engine. For maybe some more large query, it will yeah. you know, just hammer the, the name node or, or just you know, make some data node crash or something. Yeah. We need a cache. If we have a cache, you know, we can eliminate the, the spec, we can protect them. Yeah, it's, it's super important component in any company, right? Yeah, it's interesting how when you, you get involved in these projects because you're scratching like a very particular itch that you're like, you know, you're hitting in the real world. Um, this is how exactly the same way that I got into in, involved in, in Trino. Um, and it was literally like, a, you know, oh, I'll go fix this one issue. I'll go contribute a couple things. And then next thing you know, like, you're, you're, I mean, working directly on the project in, in these kind of issues. And uh, yeah, and, and it's like, it's like you, you keep finding more and more ways to, to solve the problems better, to make things more efficient. And uh, next thing you know, you're, that's your job. <laughs> you're no longer. <laughs> that's my job. <laughs> so yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So should we st step onto the high level and, and discuss the concept of like, how this works with yeah. like data caching and like where we start typically as Trino users. Yeah, so so let's start out. You know, one one thing. So as you you we both are kind of talking about uh, kind of Alexio, um, I, I want to also bring up kind of a, another system that's that sits alongside. And before, but we'll, we'll get to that here in a second. But like uh, in general, you know, when we think about Alexio, and we think about there's there's another system called uh, Rubik's uh, that that was introduced to uh, to Trino and Presto. Uh, quite a while back uh, was was brought in by uh, a now defunct company called Cubal, and um, and they uh, essentially uh, uh, created this as as kind of uh, you know to solve the same types of problems like you know you're you're trying to scale out uh, you know your your queries you're getting a lot of uh, contention on on you know uh, particular nodes that are uh, essentially seeing you know maybe one particular partition that you have that is maybe heavier than, than any other partition. And so, you know, you're having queries fail, you're having all sorts of uh, uh, other, other random issues pop up, particularly slowness that you'll see uh, across the network. And so, so as you're starting to hit these, you know, multi-petabyte uh, type of uh, query scans, you're, you're running into the same issue. So Cubal was trying to solve the exact same problem. Um, and, uh, you know, it, they, they, they got an interesting, you know, good, good service and, and kind of a, you know, similar embedded service where you can kind of run and and save some things local, but uh, ultimately there was not a lot of this, uh, 
transferability across different systems uh, like uh, a lot of people preferred. Uh, essentially, a lot of people were using multiple engines. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of issues uh, came up when uh, you're trying to ultimately uh, handle this stuff. But I'm getting ahead of myself, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, now what's the problem? Like, so just like, well, in general for like the beginner user, right? The typical use case between us is to uh, query some sort of object storage lake sort of system, right? Yeah. And when you do that one query, that means it needs to run and download all these files like Parquet or Orc or whatever files. If you're in a terrible situation, it's even like JSON files or something, but hopefully not. <laughs> uh, but those files get downloaded for a specific query onto the workers, potentially broken up by, query, by a partition or whatever. But ultimately, if the next person comes along and they run a query that access the same files, they still need to be loaded from the object storage again, right? So yeah. there's no out of the box, there's no caching in Trino, which for like one or two queries is easy, but if there's a lot of data involved, it doesn't only impact the performance negatively for you as an operator that runs a cluster and potentially has the object storage connected on some cloud provider or so, you're also paying the network transfer for that. And so that can get very, very painful. So uh, in terms of money and also performance. So you typically want to co-locate the Trino cluster close to the object storage. That doesn't always work. And even then without caching, every repeated query downloads that stuff again and again. And that's obviously terrible, right? So that's where the need for caching comes in and that's what Alexio provides. So can you tell us a bit more what does Alexia do and what's like in, in that sort of space? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Manfred. I think this is a pretty good introduction. Um, to, to, for, for us, like a really, actually, I want to start from a different angle, like talking really about uh, standing from the Trino perspective or the, like the architecture. If you look at the architecture for Presto Trino, it's really fantastic idea. You have this engine, like doing only computation but having a federation on different using connectors to do the federation on different kind of the data sources, right? So that actually has another, to me, this is to me, another implicit assumption is let's forget about data locality because the data sources can be anywhere, can be any type. It's very hard to design. It's, it's not like, oh, I'm, I'm designing a big table or I'm, I'm running, I'm, I'm designing Impala so I can have data locality there. So that's the, because you have this very flexible uh, architecture, which means, hey, we get a lot of help. We get a lot of benefits by being very flexible, being able to talk to different data sources. But on the other, on the, on the other side, that perhaps also means, hey, we need to just delegate the I.O. issues in case I'm running, running into a very I.O. intensive queries. Let's dedicate the I.O. issues to a different component. Could be the building component, could be a, a separate independent service. So that layering to me is very beautiful. It's, it makes a lot of mm -hmm. sense to leverage in different layer just for their own for, for, for their for their own responsibility and do this really well. And they can develop uh, very they can, they can go very fast, right? So that's the to me like a, why it's appealing from the architecture perspective. And Alexa is this layer that that's the layer we want to build. And to me, this data orchestration layer provides a few benefits. One is to, uh, for Trino, this is less, like the first one is we call the API translation because we want to provide the same uh, data abstraction or same data layer, but for different uh, data, uh, data consumers using different APIs. For, 
for Trino or Spark, they are or in the in general in the big data ecosystem, it's more more or less on the Hadoop standardized is on the Hadoop file system API. Mm -hmm. But the, the funny thing is, actually in the early days, Spark is calling some internal API to using Taycan. So that's not even standardized on the HDFS interface. But later on, we changed this to be a standardized interface. Yeah, mm. uh, but also, like for example, we see more and more uh, applications, especially in a lot of enter in enterprise, they, they are more interested in using S3 as API to, to consume data. So even the same set of data you can maybe use in Spark to have the ETL pipeline to inject the data into a data platform. Then some other applications start to consume the data using S3 APIs. And there are a few reasons behind because like they don't want to, like Hadoop client is considered as still heavy. And there is a legacy issues, there is a compatibility issues, and maintenance issues. Uh, S3 API is considered very lightweight or even like a, uh, this can be a rest, restful API to, to use. It's very yeah, it's interesting how, how the S3 API started at Amazon S3, but really has become a sort of like a standard, really. It's not officially standardized, but like there's lots of alternative providers like Minnow or Backblaze yeah. that came at the Twino Summit and others that use that same API. Uh, it's not ideal as an API, just like HDFS is not ideal, but it's definitely a, it's kind of become a bit of a standard in a way, really, right? I, I think so. I think it's taking off, and I think that I'm just talking about API perspective. Um, yeah, yeah. The API is going to replace Hadoop uh, in the in the in the future. Uh, the Hadoop API in the future. That's my that's my view. But anyway, yeah. so um, back to my point. So uh, in this case, you, you you want to provide different ways to access the same set of data. So that's one way, like one functionality we're providing. Hey, we're just doing this translation on the client side and all the server side. And the other part is to bring data closer to the compute. Uh, you can think this is the cost saving or this is a faster data access by caching the data. Uh, you can cache the raw data or in some experimental, uh, like uh, I think Benano was working on, we can even cache some data with the semantics understanding of the data. But that's something like a further along the way. And also we're providing a virtualization layer. So you don't need to go to the data using their physical address. The physical address can be on MinIO, can be on S3, can be a GC, GCS, but we provide a virtualization layer called Aluxio address. In this virtualization file system address, uh, this can be very public. This enables customers to, to port their data stack across different environments. And uh, we have customers, like a very, very big customers, love that because in this way, they can run their Trino or Spark stack in different environments, in this environment on-premise, but also in AWS, or in GCP without changing a lot of like configuration or ch even changing the code, uh, but like just using this as a layer to hide the difference. One team can maintain different stack in different environments, so they love it. So that's basically our definition for data orchestration. And I do, we do see uh, a lot of like a, uh, okay, let me put it this way. So uh, especially during pan and after pandemic, we see uh, the market is reacting to this very, very differently or much more warm uh, than like pre prior years. Because I do see because the going to the cloud, this movement is really, really kicking off. A lot of pri prior to that, uh, if we talk to some users, they say, oh yeah, we will go to cloud next quarter. And it's always next quarter. And now it's, yeah, this is something it's this quarter. Yeah, it becomes the mission for this quarter. And then it becomes, they're solving a more complicated data topology, especially for 
computation, uh, or especially for this computation frameworks or for this uh, platforms, they are having very complicated data, data topology. So it becomes a very hard problem. So we're trying to introduce this layer for simplification uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a very high level. So that's what we call the data orchestration. Yeah, so yeah, I want to just stop awesome, here in, in case anyone has any questions. Yeah, it's funny how how um, there's this whole movement that yeah, every, we put everything into the cloud to make it easier. And like, yes, it does to become easier to some degree, but it also becomes a lot more complex because now you have things all over the place, all over the cloud in different exactly. clouds and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of really funny how that. How that I, I want to comment on that. Actually, this is from our one of our user or community users and telling us. So, uh, so previously they have one Hadoop data center, right? So everyone, every team, they want to create some pipelines. They need to go through the single and a unique or the only um, approval process to get some resource to run something in that uh, data warehouse. And then their company decide, hey, we want to go to the cloud. We want to go to AWS. And every team now it's super easy. As long as they're just filling their, their, their credit card, they are able to get the resource. They are, they are, they are able to create their instances. I mean, later on, yeah, they are trying to get a more regulation and or more approval to make sure like everything is organized. But prior to that, like every single team, they just create their own in their own region to set up different 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 services. So and it's become actually more complicated. Although it's very easy, like you can just you don't need to wait for anything. But like you can just perhaps set up something in a day uh, or even like half day. Um, but that does increase the complexity. Yeah. It's it's the same kind of shift that we had to take up front whenever we went to distributed systems, right? Like when we were not on distributed systems, the world was way easier. But then like we just did not have the ability to scale, um, especially on commodity hardware, right? And it's like it's that same kind of like trade-off that you have to always take into account of like, okay, well, you know, we we're gonna be able to kind of spin up our own kind of uh kind of uh environment that is isolated from anybody else's uh you know thing and i'm not going to take down prod or, or do anything i kind of have my own sandbox to play with but uh you know how how do we actually make sure everything like actually governing all of that that stuff going on and that's kind of where the 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 whole data mesh concepts are, are coming in to try to figure out like what are the social uh, aspects, you know, what are the, what do they call it? Social tech, socio-technical, uh, kind of aspects on like, how do we actually organize, uh, teams around, you know, focusing on like, you know, sharing correctly or sharing in some sort of standard way so that everybody's able to still kind of get all access to all of it, but like not necessarily, um, not necessarily have to have it in one system, right. One monolithic system. Yes. So it's always kind of like trading off and like, I don't think going full on like distributed is the right answer. I also think one, one system is not the right answer. So it's like finding those happy mediums, depending on your use case and like what, what you're, what you're trying to solve uh, is always like the, the, the balancing act. So. Yes, totally. Agree. Yeah. It's funny how that really like reflects what's happening in the real world, in the physical world as well in the, in the end. Right. Yeah. Everything is yeah. distributed, but everything also needs to work together in a way. <laughs> so yeah. it's like the, yeah. always the happy medium to be found. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is cool. And, and the application portability part of it, you know, is 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 an interesting one because people. So this is one thing I wanted to drive home for anybody in the community when they when we're usually having discussions around Alexio. It's like Alexio is a drop-in alternative for 
like Rubik's and like Rubik's it was a, a, was that you know caching capability that we have now in Hive but it does more than that and it's like these global it gives you this glo- like that global addressing that now if you are if you are needing to kind of uh migrate let's say some data from one region to another region or you ultimately like want to uh do some sort of interesting like mirror parity uh across multiple data systems it's interesting that you're able to like uh kind of abstract this whole layer away and kind of let Aluxio do a little bit of smoke and mirrors for you because oh okay this you could do like an a b type uh, cluster deployment the the address is going to let's say cluster a and then uh cluster a uh you want to like let's say service it or something like that and you have you know a mirror parity going going there you can now just change that address over to cluster b and then do any type of servicing that you want to do and that's all abstracted away uh using alexia so those those kinds of things are like opens up a lot of uh that kind of capability that people don't think about right away when they're first like they have this the cash need but then there's this like abstraction it's it's very very similar kind of a, a lower level version of this uh, type of abstraction that trino allows actually yeah, yeah think- maybe maybe tell us a bit more about uh that anyway bin and uh, Binan- uh because like the current integration and what we've talked about in the past this is like we talked about hdfs s3 hive but that's like we talked earlier about the summit that's not where people are so can you maybe like elaborate a bit about how Elaxio works with other table formats, for example, and like what sort of made, like someone, Juraj is also asking what you see in terms of performance gains and stuff like that. So do you have some of those like practical uh, things that are to consider and what you get out of this? That would be awesome. Yeah, so Bena, maybe you can talk about Bena has been working on the iceberg side and also like a, a integration. So maybe you can talk about the table formats and how this, like to me, this is a whole stack, like Trino and Aluxio and also the table format, they work together. Yeah, that'd be super interesting. Yeah, um, from actually Presto Arduino perspective view, the, there's no difference about the, the file reading you know, between the, the Hive connector or Iceberg connector. Right? Because they, they are still using the, the existing parquet or yep. creator. So which means for the, for the data part, there's no difference. We're just caching the parquet file or ARC files and the, uh, the Presto Arduino it will just read the, the data yeah. from Alexio. Yeah. And also, just because we are providing the HDFS compatible API, this is somehow more friendly to the S3 API because Presto is doing something like this. They, they will read the file from the very end, read the footer first. I mean, I'm talking about the packet or ARC files, and then seek back again and again, something like that. We always do the position read. But unfortunately, the S3 API is something like a HTTP stream. They might prefer to read from the very beginning and jump and escape and somehow and to reach the end. So if we don't want to rewrite the, the entire computer engine, I think we, we may more prefer the, the HDFS API. I mean, I'm just talking about the, 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 the Trino side. That's why the, the Trino engineers and the users, they may love to use Alexio to speed up, just because the, the, the API part can give you some benefits. Um, and also, if you have some, because for the iceberg user, mostly they are they are put their, their data in the remote S3 storage, right? So the cost should be super expensive, not just the egress, also the, the, the API cost. We always need to, to get something from the, the S3 storage. So in this case, 
they can make their data just in the in the Luxio, right? It can save the cost. But the challenging part to Luxio is is about the, the metadata, because the iceberg or hoodie they also put the the metadata. Or we can see the table layout in some Avro or some data files is also on S3 or on HDFS. For this kind of thing, it's really a challenge to catch them because we, we need to keep the, the data consistency. So now we are asking our user to, to just give a very short metadata sync interval to this kind of metadata files. So we always keep the, uh, the metadata data files up to date. But the thing is, for the, the newer layout, I mean the Asperger or hoodie layout, they also put a URI in the in their manifest or ever files. So because the the URI there, probably they could be hard coded. So if they, they want to migrate their existing Asperger table to Alexio, which means they have to rewrite or migrate their their manifest or, or something else. That that's maybe a dirty work. So but we have another solution on our commercial version. We have something called a transparent UI. If you are using our commercial version, there's no such kind of trouble. Otherwise, you probably, you, you need to migrate your, your metadata files, I mean the manifest, or you need to hack the code in, in Trino to, to make a translation between your S3 UI to Alexa UI. So that, yeah, that, that's a lot of challenge to, to really you know, make your iceberg table running on Alexa. You, you do some efforts there. So, so where where is the current status then? It, it, it's it's clear that it's like not a not a simple feat, but is it is it possible to do that today? Yes, it's, it's possible. I already heard some of our community users they already use Alexio to serve their iceberg traffic, and that's that's in like production somewhere. Yes, yes, there's some production. Very so, cool. Yeah. All right, so yeah, that's uh, it seems to be. I mean, we got another question. Uh, See, is Alexio works like uh, an RDBMS shared memory caching? Well, it's not shared memory. We prefer to use the NVMe uh, to to store data because then we can have a much better cache capacity. Yeah, that's that's one part. Uh, but you know, RDBMS shared memory caching is it's it's I think it's it's much more complicated idea for the RDBMS. Yeah. I think we, we are not that, that, that kind of difficult work. We, 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 we even more like a distributed caching or storage service. We, we serve the files rather than the, the results. We, 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 nowadays, we are not caching the, the, the intermediate or we call the fragment result. No, we are not caching that. We just cache the, the, the source files. So we are mm. much easier than, than the RDBMS. Shared memory cache—that's that, 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 a very difficult job. <laughs> yeah. and and that's that's kind of getting into like uh, you know if you if you run a query, you're trying to part like see if any of the results are from somebody else's query. Let's say you run a query based on it, and then I run a query. You get the results first, and then essentially this is trying to uh, uh, figure out is it possible that I can use some of the results that you just ran? And that's like, 
on, on some, let's say aggregated or some really complicated query that you ran. Right. So yeah, that, that doesn't, that that's, um, typically so that's case, also, it's a recipe for disaster also because you have to take security access rules and all that kind of stuff into account. And then like things fall apart very quickly and it takes longer to validate what you can show than to just run the query again based with the on the raw files because they just have the raw data and that's that's what Alexa is doing so that's really cool so let uh, th uh this is coming in straight from uh who's it ben yeah ben thanks for bringing this up so we'll, we'll put this one in the show notes but uh yeah this there's a, a bit of a talk specifically about delta lake uh and um, we're going to see, you know, I guess this kind of walks you through um, how to uh, run Delta Lake specifically. So this is one example of of the kind of newer table formats away from Hive uh, working with Alexio. And I'm sure uh, there's there's a kind of a similar workflow that you would have that you would essentially do for for Iceberg. And in fact, I'm going to try uh, my best to basically get the. Uh, uh, using Iceberg rather than Hive because I'm trying to walk away from using Hive as much uh, uh, in in our in our demos just to kind of encourage people to move on to a newer format. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but we'll also add this this blog in here if anybody that's interested in Delta Lake, uh, you can also follow follow this one as well. So, and we'll have this linked in the show notes also. And there's also similar uh, like pages with very good step by step instructions for using Trino and that kind of stuff. So it's really yeah. cool. Yeah, and and that's actually uh, in the in the actual um, uh, tutorial that I won't be showing you uh, in the actual broad live broadcast today, but I will be uh, finishing up and then having recorded. Uh, we'll release it at a later time, but uh, that'll be nested later on, and that's going to be following one of the um, uh, tutorials that was written by. Uh, was that also David? Do you think uh, that wrote that tutorial, or I think he basically just modified it from Presto? Might have been David. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, somebody wrote that on the Alexio side, I believe. And uh, and then, so we're going to be following that one and, and we'll have that linked in the show notes as well. Um, but you'll also have my, um, eventually have my uh, link to the setup um, that we'll have in the Trino getting started repo. So, so when I look at this screenshot there, um, like there's like a whole Olaxio, Olaxio console and everything going on. So can you tell us a bit more about what's included when you run your cluster or whatever you're doing? I actually there? have one running right now, so we can actually click through it. Oh, that's fancy. <laughs> so yeah, feel free to... Do so you want to tell us a bit more about what's happening in this user interface in general? Like why is there yeah. a user interface for the cache? What what can you do there? What what can you look at? And how is this Yeah, this is, the, this is the, we call the web UI in Olaxio. And typically we use this to have a very uh, high level understanding about what's going on in this deployment. And uh, if you go, uh, yeah, if you go, if you, if you go to the, the, like, for example, the architecture diagram, you will see there are different components. It's very similar to the, uh, the coordinator versus a worker architecture yeah. in Trino. Like we have this, we have the master, which is similar to the coordinator. And we had a worker, which is also similar to the, uh, to Trino worker. Yeah. So uh, the, the master is, responsible for keeping the all the metadata, the mapping for all the files to metadata and also to the, uh, like for example, some internal state, global state shared across different uh, different nodes. And the worker is really, you can think it's a single node cache, but it's coordinated by the master. 
Yeah, so in this web UI, you will see, hey, we have a master or maybe multiple masters for HA. We have how many workers running and how much data we're, 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 we're storing and how many files. And this, this type of like how long this deployment has been running and this type of information, high level information. And uh, we also have in different tabs, we also have some other information like, oh, these are different files. You can just click through and see each file, whether this file is being stored uh, in in Luxo space, or this is still I just know this file, but it's still the data or content of this data is still in, remote in the in the end of storage. Yeah, so that's basically the uh, what the very very high level information. Uh, I think it's sufficient for uh, average user, but like if you want to deep more, definitely you need more. Uh, like a, if you want need more runtime statistics or metrics, we also have a different setup like a, a metric system. Uh, you can hook into your other, like your, your dashboarding system to watch uh, different metrics, uh, CPU utilization and this type of things. Uh, and it's a, that, yeah, that's basically how we, uh, we see users are using the web UI. But personally, uh, typically I just use this from time to time just to test, hey, do I have something running? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit like the Trina web UI. It's not used that much, but it's, uh, it, it shows a lot of detail. Um, and it, it it's like goes deep into the weeds. So it's so good just for troubleshooting. Yeah, and Sujit uh, got it there. So um, yeah, I think I, you got, I was gonna say Sujit, you 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 nailed it. So this you're uh, uh, you're understanding it correctly uh, as far as I understand it. So yeah. we'll we'll let Ben have the final say or or Benan if you think this looks correct. Yeah, Benan, maybe you can just chime in here. Oh, yes. Actually, we, we, we do have a paging cache, but it's not the, the Parquet Oak page. We, we, we call it paging store inside our worker. So mm. in the files, we, we are not caching everything. We are not caching the entire file. We are caching the, just cache the portion price to Arduino just read. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's one megabyte page. Uh, and also for the... What well, level of granularity is that, though? It's not row, right? It's probably a little higher. Higher, it's one megabyte page. It's a, okay, got it. copy. It's not, it's not the, the identical way to the, the packet page, but it's just the one, one megabytes. We can see the one, one, one megabytes by array or something. It's a bit okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. Uh, about the, the data consistency, um, yeah, that, 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 that's a really good question. Yeah, we now we, we are checking them, we are syncing the metadata to, to just keep the, the metadata is always just up to date. And they then, if the we are, we are seeing some inconsistency with the metadata. We will kick out the we call the invalidate. We just add the API to the workers. The master will invalidate the the outdated blocks or pages. Uh, on the other way, uh, we, we we are also making something like a, a last modified time. We, we we can also check that. But I think that that's still under development. But now we we, we just rely on on the, on the metadata sync to keep all the metadata all the data up to date. Cool. Wow, that's so, really so cool. So, so tell me about the Alexa services. We see it there a bit more. Like, obviously, a Trino cluster. We were talking about uh, before the show about like different sizes of Trino clusters, and you can have Trino cluster with like you know, a couple of hundred workers and stuff like that. How does that compare in like the Alexa service? You see, you you have a similar master multiple workers architecture. How do you deploy that? Or what's the size? Is like Trino, for example, benefits from not too many nodes, but rather large ones. But you still end up in multiple hundreds somewhere. And so, how does that compare to Alexio? Like, are there, like, is it better to have smaller nodes or like many nodes, or how does it work? Uh, mostly, I just 
recommend our customer to use one to one, one plus worker to one Alexa worker. But the hard hardware setting will be much different. The uh, because the price is doing more CPU intensive job, but I will recommend them to to use more CPU cost, like at least thirty two or even higher. Mostly, I will recommend them to use more than thirty four cost for Presto. Mm-hmm. But for the Alexa, we may, we may prefer to use something like a storage. No, yeah, yeah, maybe just maybe ten or eight CPU cores, maybe larger six sixteen CPU cores, but with a large storage at least maybe four terabytes NVMe or even higher. Uh, the network should be also equivalent, the, the, the same network, and maybe then in this case, I recommend to them. Is there anywhere in the docs that kind of covers uh, sizing suggestions like this or, or kind of has, or anywhere or any blog that you've had that has like a good example of like uh, kind of a good starting size that you know of? And if, if you don't know it off the top of your yeah, head. Yeah, I'm, I'm can... checking. There is a, a, we don't have like exact sizing or. We don't uh, either. We don't have yeah. like an exact sizing because there's never an exact answer because it's always going to depend. Right. But it's, like uh, we've we've uh, we've had, I think my favorite ones are like when when um, individual users talk about their workloads and then they talk about uh, what sizes they use and then why they sized it that way. Yeah, let me just ping something here. So there's a, a it's a, like a, this is a more basic. This is a what's the requirement to run uh, Alexios different services and I will ping here in the chat. Um, but like in in, re, in, in reality, okay. So uh, I want to actually throw in a little bit of complication here. Uh, used to be the case we're recommending users, hey, if you're running this as Presto, and you should also, sorry, you, you're running this Trino node, and we should also have this Alexia worker node so they can co-locate together, and you can use we, what we call the short circuit reads to, uh, short circuit reader writes to avoid network transferring. And in that way, uh, that's a very that that's a very that's the that's the best performance you can get. Like there's a if all the data go into the same Trino node, like if there's a locality respected there, then you will get no data transfer through network if, because data can be um, cached already. Um, but there's also we see another setup way to set up which is having Trino as one layer as one fleet, but use mm-hmm. um, as in, as by Bay Nine using maybe more CPU heavy instances. But also using Aluxio as another layer, or uh, yeah, a separate service, and mm-hmm. there, there are multiple reasons for like there are also pros and cons for different setups. Um, for example, if you run Aluxio in a separate service, uh, the pros includes like a, if the Trino. In a lot of cases, we see users are running the workloads in the ephemeral manner. Like sometimes they prefer a bigger cluster for Trino. Sometimes they prefer a smaller, depends on their workloads, right? So yeah, they change this yeah. on the dynamic. Uh, and in that case, Trino itself is, you can think it's a stateless. After finish the computation task, you can just remove it and nothing, nothing, nothing is wrong. But for Alexio, because it has this state internally, right? If yeah. you remove the, this worker node, I don't think you will get incorrect data. That's not the case, but you, will, you may suffer from a little bit from the having next rounds, you need to go to the source of truth again. And this it's may warming be warming up the cache to, all over. Yeah, performance penalty yeah. or cost, right? So some users, they are more concerned and they want to have this layer, Aluxio or data caching layer, shared caching layer 
more stable. Uh, like uh, they are not changing this more uh, frequently. So that's the one reason. And the other reason is really, as Ben mentioned, you can use a different set of uh, uh, machines, uh, more beefy nodes, CPU bound nodes for the for the compute, more storage. Uh, sto yeah, storage instances for the Aluxio node because it doesn't require a lot of CPU, uh, CPU to serve this data, and uh, yeah. So and and also there's another benefit. If you if all the nodes are making decision by themselves, uh, like the caching, and then they they may they may go to the remote storage at the, like for example same same time or uh, in actually never mind. This is not the case anymore. So. Yeah, so I think that's the two reasons like we can see the two different um, different architectures. And to be honest, I see the second case more and more um, because I guess people are using the computation more and more in the more cloud cloud native environment. Um, yeah. They want more elasticity and yeah. Yeah, like, I was just gonna say like it like it seems like that would also then work if you have like you know, operationally if you have like multiple Trino clusters or so. That like maybe one is a full full tenant execution Trino cluster, another is like more ad hoc, or different departments have different Trino clusters because of like what like catalogs are available. You could put that all those different clusters, they could theoretically, from what I understand now, point at the same Alexio cluster. Oh yeah. 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 So yeah. that's really cool. So you get the benefits from that from that caching even across clusters and potentially even other query engines, I guess. And yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. run through we'll run through one of the uh, the Expedia one too, which which uses Trino and and Alexio too, and actually has a really good example of of doing that. Well, let's have a look. All right. Um, <laughs> one thing I was gonna quickly say though about like requirements that I generally like if if I'm telling people to you know um, figure figuring out their size, um, it's always going to depend on what your current like. Uh, it's always going to depend on what your current workload is. And the best way to track that, at least from a trainer's perspective, is you're, you're just going to track your workloads across a couple like weeks worth of, of, of time. And initially, well, as Dane always says, initially just try to get as much as you can and like, you know, uh, as, as, as high as you possibly can. So that way you can like have some headroom like you just mentioned. So you just try to get a, like the highest thing that essentially your boss will allow you to buy <laughs> <laughs> that's the starting i mean whatever that ends up being right uh, or or something within reason and then you just start monitoring uh the queries as they come in you kind of see the peaks and the lows and then you try to start optimizing for like you know pick pick a a, a statistical point you know within your a p value and just say like okay we want to optimize for p90 or p95 and making sure that p the p95 workloads are are managed at this point and that's always going to potentially you know that's that's going to give you uh headspace and you're going to have well over what you're ever going to need uh moving forward but i think that that's the best way to do it is like every workload every particular thing is going to be unique you just need to monitor what's going on for a while see what the max workload and that's always going to be something you're chasing over time and so you just basically need to come to an s some sort of agreement as a team as a company or as your slas require you to to say okay at px you know i'm going to uh make sure that the the cluster is optimal to handle this uh, this this workload at this at this level, and obviously the higher you go up, the less likely you're going to to run into issues. Um, here, get a, before we hop onto uh, the 
the scenario. Uh, let's see. So just you're, you're asking great questions here. Is the coordinator aware, uh, and I guess by coordinator, I'm guessing you're meaning uh, their, the master node, uh, aware of the caches on each workers? Um, yeah. So is, I, is, I think is, he means the Trino coordinator, I guess. Oh, yeah. So that would not be the case. Trino actually has no idea, right? Or so it's pretty much like clueless that Alexio Trino talks to Alexio as a file system and nothing more. Let, let, let's put it in this way. So the, the, the Trino coordinator, we will call the, the Alexio master to get a, a list of files. Because you know, if we are talking about hive tables, it will always to list the, the partition. And then for each partition, yeah, like the metadata. Yeah. Mm. For each files, we will get the status of the file. There, there would be a block list. So which means the Trino actually know that for each file where they are, it's in the cache or it's in the HDFS or it's not cache or somehow. But the thing is the Trino coordinator, I don't think that the, the, the current implementation is really relying on this kind of thing to do the planning. They might rely on like the IP address to, to do the, if you, you have, we have some data locality, it will based on this kind of IP address to do the scheduling. It will try to uh, distribute the displays to the local workers. If, you, if we are seeing some data locality, we can do that. If it's not the, the short circuit or the co-located case, then Trino will just ignore this kind of thing. So it looks like he was trying to talk about the, you know, when he said coordinator, he was meaning the master, the master, uh, yeah, master, master being aware. Master. Yeah, master, master has the basically the global information which data is stored where or in yeah. which nodes, not which nodes. It may can be multiple different nodes having the same piece of data. Yeah, so yeah, that's why like uh, the clients talk to the master first to get a, uh, to get a, the, the, the the exact information. So one actually, uh, I just want to like uh, hop on this a little bit. Uh, we are like internally we're we're experimenting like even having uh, some something similar to the RubyX caching. In the in 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 Trino today, to have another uh, you can think it's a lightweight but a in embedded version of this client or Alexio worker there. So in mm -hmm. in that in that way, uh, we can further solve this problem. Like you have this data locally, and you can have this uh, separated uh, layer of having the data served from a Alex separate Alexio service. So, I mean that's something we're experimenting, and I, actually we we talked about this previously. And that's something uh, I think we will work on, like maybe sometime next year. It's December, so it's gonna be very soon. Um, we, we... <laughs> yeah, it sure is. <laughs> awesome. Next year is just around the corner, so it'll happen right <laughs> January first, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, yeah, and speaking on that, actually, what well, before we hop, I still want to keep coming up with ideas of things to talk about. Um, so. I, I, uh, I'm interested in um, a lot of a lot of folks on the Trino side are always interested in, in uh, seeing Alexio kind of replacing uh, their Rubik's the current Rubik's uh, setup, and so that would require instead of having a separate Alexio service uh, to have it embedded. Uh, is there any thoughts on like or or potential uh, kind of stuff coming down the horizon? Um, that maybe you could tell us about. I don't know if, if it's, you know, what, what it is right now, but um, uh, if, if Alexio would have an embedded option that, that we'd be able to use in with Pentrino. 
Yeah, that's what I just mentioned. Like we want to have that happening. So is it, okay, uh, okay. I yeah. I thought I was wanting to make sure that it was the same same thing that we were talking about. So yeah, essentially, yeah, this would be like drop in replacement for Rubik's. I uh, I need to study more, like uh, investigate, like what APIs. I think there is a certain things uh, you in, on the Trino side. There are certain APIs or there are certain things added. I, I'm not sure we. It's kind of an SPI actually, like the way we implemented that when we added uh, it it doesn't actually like expose any of the uh, underlying Rubik's details out okay. to Trino. So essentially the underlying caching engine could be replaced. Mm. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely on our, uh, the, yeah, that, that is on our roadmap. We're just uh, internally figuring out the, the party and, and, all the, and, and all the resource stuff. And, yep. and of course uh, people can use the open source Alexia version as a separate service right now, right? Yep. Yes, yes. I mean that's yes. what we're gonna have the demo uh, later later today. That's you really can cool. you would you would host it outside, but the the embedded one is thinking through like I want to like almost have a uh, Alexio um, kind of running running as uh, an, an an internal uh, kind of service specifically for let's say I don't know a particular uh, connector, and I want that to be that in process. Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh. Is Ruby Ruby X uh, is right now part of the Hive connector? Or just Hive, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 yeah. So it, it, it's it's kind of like semi unmaintained as well. So yeah, we're 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 really looking to replace it, and so as like a lot of people in the community, so that's why it was like it'd be It's it's a it's a big point of interest for from our community to see if, if that's possible, um, because I think you know starting out, people usually just start out with I just need it for this, like particularly the data lake connector is the is the initial use case but then like i think seeing it in terms of how it grows out especially for those users that have like the um so co another common setup that we see with iceberg is uh spark as the write and um and trino as the read and so that then becomes like a more of a compelling use case to have the external service but when you're first starting out and you just are starting with one you don't want to think about necessarily like a whole separate caching thing and another system to maintain. So I think like the embedded thing becomes a really nice uh, uh, way, way to start, approach yeah. that. Yeah. So I, I know like uh, uh, there's a we we also see this request a lot. So actually we uh, we we know certain users they want to actually uh, in Alexio in Alexio's user community they are talking to us. They say, hey, we just want this to be a pre, uh, this like embedded service in it's possible to use usable in, in Trino and and we we tell them yes so like I'm we're actually working together with Trino community awesome. on this we want this to happen and uh, and you also get a very good point like having this uh, spark writing and using read through from the Trino side or maybe even shared from the other spark pipeline and using a service uh, we are underlying this as maybe an iceberg or something else but that's definitely uh, a very common stack we're seeing more and more, and uh, we, we we also like we, we can also work on that. And, and this is actually to me and makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. It's 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 super cool for me. I I do wonder, you know, it's like uh how like how Alexio might see that as like uh the the progression uh from like uh you know is that going to if are people going to be too happy with that but then i i i also there's there's got two two like heads to the hydro whenever you do stuff like this it's like one side 
it will be like something that some people will just stick stick with that and then they're going to be happy but then and 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 not progress on that but i think the ideal situation that that comes from that is that that's just kind of like the uh what is it like the uh gateway drug <laughs> i don't know I, I could think of a better term for it but gateway drug is the only thing i could come up with um but it's kind of like the initial thing and then after that you you start to have i mean you most most uh uh architectures have at least two query engines and once you get into that then you need to kind of build out in a whole separate service at that point yeah yeah and that so, gets into the the question another question that uh Sujith asked, which i can answer yes it is it does have kubernetes <laughs> yeah we have a uh, integration with uh, kubernetes uh through different ways helm chart or uh, like using, we have the YAML file, YAML file to, to start. And in the latest uh, 2.9 release, we also have, in, that's the enterprise release, we have a Kubernetes uh, operator. Actually, okay. it's, a, it's a developed by Binance team. Nice. Nice. <laughs> well, awesome. Uh, so Sujith seems very convinced that Alexios, where where uh, where he's going to be at least uh, investing a little bit of time uh, uh, researching. So Sujith, uh, definitely reach out to me. I think, but yeah, Benon and, and Ben are also available on the Trino Slack. You said you're already there, uh, so you can reach out to them. And there's also an Alexio uh, Slack as well uh, if if you want like. All, access to all the Alexio people and not just these two. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, so that's that's super cool. Let's let's hop before I like get us us you know too too far delayed and and we we take too long on this. I want to quickly jump into this use case that you all shared with us and it's a really cool case study. Um, so Expedia is, is uh, uh, has has long been a Trino user as well as uh, how long how long they've been using uh, Alexio. Uh, I think about a year. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, um, so yeah, so, uh, we've, we've, um, you know, been, been hearing a lot about uh, some of the stuff Expedia is doing. We need to get them for a talk, actually. Maybe they'll, they'll be at the next Trino Summit. <laughs> uh, Expedia, if you're watching this <laughs> or anybody from Expedia, we, we, we'd be interested to, to have you do a talk around this thing in particular is really cool. Um, so they had a lot of issues, uh, talking about, you know, they, uh, traditional kind of data data siloing you know they have data that's across multiple regions as you can see here in this diagram you have like uh some some data set up in us east uh, and i'm guessing these are aw yeah aws uh setup so uh and then i have another one in us west too and uh there's a lot of like issues when you start talking about like cross uh cross cloud even regions like so there's cross cloud like I'm, I'm in AWS and I'm in GCP. So like, I guess they call that multi-cloud, but then you have like cross-cloud regions and you're dealing with even the same issues of like, you know, paying for egress fees and trying to uh, even deal with just the network delays. So it's like a, it's cost on multiple fronts, right? Of, of like time and money, right? So it's like you, you, this is a, I mean, one of those very canonical ways where it's just, it should be pretty obvious why you'd want Alexio for this, but we'll, We'll go into the other things that they were hitting. So uh, central analytics performing queries across data silos suffered from poor user. Yeah, so this was the time thing I was talking about. So here we're talking about like you're dealing with multiple regions. That's already going to get a cost uh, uh, payment. And then you're, you know, from a money perspective. And then here you're you're hitting in like slow, slow uh, uh, latency in terms of the time the queries are coming around. 
Manual replication results in inefficiencies, operational overheads, expensive S3 egress costs. Hey, there's the cost one again. <laughs> so, uh, well, so also, also, I think when you talk manual replication, that means the whole thing becomes a lot more complicated. Yep. Like people oh, yeah. need to then, they, like, they build like their... actual people need to deal with this, and that's a pain. Yep. Yeah, yeah, they actually the build their engineers. own tool. Originally, they build their own tool by talking to them. They 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 they're maintaining this, and it's not it's not fun to maintain that. It's actually uh, it's yeah. They don't oh want to yeah. Anymore. yeah, yeah. Having to do your own service. Uh, I mean, this was actually we had all a whole like slew of about I'd say twenty services uh, at my last company before we got into Trino, and were able to basically because it was literally managing like interactions between two different systems right and that was like query federation but you we we did custom uh, systems for each system pairing that we would do and and so it was like is basically a system per use case and then like when we had the generic use case solved by by trino it was like a godsend and that's the exact same thing here it's like you're 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 managing uh, all these different systems that probably like are in US East for a particular team or managing a particular use case there. And now all of a sudden you have it like, like sent, you know, handling right in the center. So yeah, keep, keep talking to that. I just, I was like, it's a, it's such a huge deal to have like, not have to manage your own stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, let me see. Okay. And then, um, so here is the, they reduced approximately 50% of cost per query uh, across the board. Um, obviously, you know, increase their, um, uh, their ability to, to get the data back faster, because again, you know, you're, you're now bringing in files that are not having to go, go across the wire. It's, it's returning, uh, uh, much faster results and then unifying data silos, uh, yeah, without the need to copy. So again, uh, what you said, Manfred, like not having to maintain multiple copies in, in all of your S3s, it's basically just a temporary coffee, co coffee, coffee. Clearly, I'm, 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 I'm thirsty right now. Uh, so uh, co having a, a, you know, copy in, in within Alexio for, you know, kind of an ephemeral use case, right? And that's, uh, that's going to save you on a lot. So, uh, so yeah, anything else? I mean, th there's a whole blog post that, that we have linked down here to get into it. And I highly recommend checking that out. Uh, it's super interesting. Um, in terms of like the, the different, um, uh, uh, implementations they had to go through. Um, anything else you wanted to share on this one, Ben or Bainon? Yeah. So one thing, uh, by talking to their engineers, I, I realize is really, um, actually how often you can, or how common this problem is. And, um, like, uh, it's also very important you just mentioned like they are actually using uh, this is exactly like what you mentioned they are using spark or write something there and or to to do some data data clean or data etl and also then serve the data to trino right so um in in this pass they are also thinking hey can we use aluxio uh, to save the cost because they are saying okay there is also the api cost if you write everything back to the s3 right and there's inter intermediaries uh, like in the middle of the pipeline there's some some data so i think there's a lot of room uh or like let me take one step back so one thing in general is they are saying the cost of maintaining this uh in 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 the in the cloud is not cheap at all like cloud is saying yeah. oh, we are we're, we're cheap we're very elastic but once you're really running there 
Yep. There is a lot of the implicit costs you may see, you will, you will see a surprise from your AWS bill, essentially, right? So then they are in the stage, they are, they are moving the cloud, or they are moving to AWS as one of the pioneers as it started quite early. And now they're in the stage, hey, let's do more uh, better planning or better organization so we can have this uh, more efficiency from, from the cloud resource. And yeah. I, I can see in the pipeline, there will be more and more companies uh, into this journey that say, hey, how we can make the utilizations, resource utilization better. And I definitely see uh, like either both Trino and Aluxio can play a lot of like a help there to, to reduce their costs and improve their efficiency. Yeah, I got to say, if, by looking at this architecture diagram, I feel like they could not make up their minds about which query engine they were wanting to <laughs> use across the board. Is it Everyone Databricks? Has advantages and advantages, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. actually, they they, right. they they mentioned uh, like in the in the conversation, they were using a different. I would I would name the I would not name the query engine, but then they decided to use Trino uh, later on. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah, it's 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 just interesting, and so it's cool cool that they're uh, you know the, I think that this is kind of what we were talking about when we were saying like you don't have to make a decision up front when it comes to open uh, architectures. You you ultimately get this kind of flexibility and freedom to kind of slowly let your yourself evolve and not really get stuck in any particular vendor solution, and that kind of in turn puts a lot more pressure on the vendors. But it's a good kind of pressure that ultimately makes the product better, right? So. So that's that's the this this kind of architecture makes me super happy to see. It's like this is this is where uh, this is going to make things optimal from both a uh, a vendor perspective in the long term in the long run and uh, in the you know more immediate run. It just makes software engineers' lives simpler. <laughs> so yeah, it's not just make our infra engineers simpler. It also make the end user. I mean, the end user of the. The Trino, also the data owner, the life much easier because oh, the yeah. data owner they can just do the data migration very easily. They, they just copy the data through Alexio. But the I mean the query runner, like the data scientists, data engineers, they yeah. don't need to, to find where the data physically. They can just reuse their query anywhere after yeah. data migration. Before data migration, no change on their dashboard queries. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it, and and you know it's hard for like a lot of times I'm think I think in the level of like uh, you know data engineer, data ops, and, and kind of like thinking through those, those mechanizations. But yeah, it's like the end result is we're ultimately trying to make their workflow a lot faster so that, you know, we're not in that uh, situation that, uh, that the, uh, the whole premise of, of, of Presto was brought up in where the data scientists were like waiting, uh, saying it's a good day when we can run six queries on high. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, let me see. I think we had one more. Uh, uh, Sujith, you're killing it today. Um, <laughs> let me see. Uh, Alexio supports the operations that native Trino Connection provides. Hope no limitations around it. Is there currently limitations around iceberg table format today? I think it's transparent yeah. because it just talks to the files. Files, but we, we, we really need to more efforts to take care about data consistency. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the, the reason is because in the table for in this. Lake, uh, data lake table formats, they're usually uh, having this manifest file, or whatever, to store their metadata information, right? So that file is keep updating, keep being appended or to, 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 to reflect the new partitions or new data. Uh, and then we need to uh, basically find out, hey, what's changing there? Because this is different like from Hive. In Hive, by adding a new partition, that means you, you see a new directory. 
and you see new files in that directory. And in, in here, it's a, it's a little bit different. So we need to, uh, I mean, that's basically if you have a changing table format. And there are certain ways we're solving that. Actually, uh, there is a, uh, I mean, there is a workaround, uh, not, not even not really a workaround. There is a way to just to check the file every time from the source of truth rather than from Luxio. But like we're thinking, we're talking about to make this more smart. Hey, I recognize this is an iceberg and this is the manifest file from iceberg. So automatically, I will always go to the source of truth to, to read this, right? So that's something we can do. Um, that's a very straightforward intuition. Yeah, and there's a lot more layers of granularity with, with Iceberg too, which will be interesting to, to look down that path because there, the big thing with Iceberg is that it was, it was definitely much better designed for an object store. And uh, essentially, it's kind of like an in, an in uh, or, or persisted kind of tree structure that just has object store after object store. You think about it kind of, I just picture like a giant index, but as you traverse this, the kind of nodes of this tree, uh, you know, you're hitting the different ranges of, of different files that might ultimately, you know, kind of once you get to the leaves, those are files that will ultimately answer your question versus a, a, a large scan. And so it's interesting to think of like what that new pattern opens up for Alexio to take advantage of, because that in itself is already a much faster operation when you're talking about cloud storage. Mm -hmm. um, and you're not having to do those kind of like list file system-esque type uh, operations. And then how how does that you know how does that interact with uh, with the caching layer and are you able to go to a much finer granularity? In fact, uh, in, in Trino, uh, Piotr Findason is uh, one of the one of the uh, maintainers on uh, the Trino side. He's actually working with the Iceberg community right now to work on his Puffin file format that kind of is an alternative to. Um, let's say the um, um, uh, parquet and things like that. And this is actually essentially an extension of the same type of, of indexes and ranges and uh, um, things that, that, that they store in the um, upper level metadata of iceberg and it extends into the file now. So it's like, it would be interesting to see like what, what are the implications now on what you all can do as the caching engine uh, with, with data like that. So anyways, it's, way in the future but it's like uh, it's still very interesting uh, kind of to, to ponder on <laughs> yep yeah we, we are open to the fine grain cache or semantic cache or caching more metadata from iceberg or hive tables yeah yeah yeah, it'll be really it'll be really interesting to see as, as that evolves especially you know if you uh as, as you know because then that's that's like I don't know. Okay, I'm 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 going too far into it, but yeah, it's like so it would be really uh, uh, per performance and and actually avoiding a lot of extra work <laughs> if we if if you did that right. Um, so uh, let's see. Oh, have you had another comment? Let's see. Uh, love iceberg. <laughs> okay, just wanted to uh, tip our hat. We all love iceberg here. <laughs> <laughs> we all love iceberg. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> iceberg is the best. Uh, one point of highlighter is right. S3 is cheaper, but it cannot eat. Yeah, it can eat your AWS bill too, for sure. For sure, for sure. Okay. Um, without further ado, let's, let's, uh, um, is there anything else before we hop off the concept that uh, either of you wanted to kind of do in closing statements before we hop onto the pull request of the episode? Oh, from, from our side? From yeah, yeah. From, sorry. Uh, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, this is a, um... I just very enjoy this uh, this this podcast. It's really fun um, talking about the industry trends and 
um, I mean, it's a nothing surprise because this the the all the keywords we are we're bumping up here is constantly showing up in the, my conversation with other yeah. community members like Trino or Iceberg or Hoodie yeah. or Data Lake yep. and S3. Uh, it's just keep showing up everywhere. So I I do think we're in the uh, in the stage of hey Hive is too old. Let's forget about Hive. Let's forget about this last generation of the Hadoop ecosystem, which is has certain assumptions and it's no more is no more true today and let's talk about let's think about what's the new architecture and to address the new challenges in a data ecosystem like yeah. iceberg right and trino and aluxio they all represent one idea to address a challenge and i think it's really uh, powerful if we can combine these cool technologies together and to me, that's the beauty of like working in this space. It's, uh, totally, I, totally agree. Because yeah. I think this becomes like the, uh, especially in this like economic downturn, right? Everybody's complaining about their snowflake bill. Like modern data stack is now out of vogue. It's no, no longer in vogue because they're, they're feeling that pain, right? And so like open data lakes are not only more flexible, but it's like they're, they're affordable. And it, they give you like I think the the misconception is that data lakes like when you say data lake people think about Hive and the old way of like the original technologies that kind of paved the way, but it's like it's it, it, and so it's kind of had a bad rep. But like data lake house uh, and all this kind of new thing is kind of like the V two of all this stuff. It's like yes. version two of data lake, and it adds all the governance stuff. It adds all the caching, everything that you would expect out of a data warehouse, you can now start to see that those things are starting to become trendy in the data lake space. And, you know, collectively, Trino, Iceberg, Aluxio, all of these, like, all of these things are going to make uh, the data lake a, 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 a much more, you know, warehouse centric place at a much cheaper cost. Um, maybe, you know, initially more complexity right now, because you are dealing with more systems. But, Hopefully, over time, things kind of just converge, uh, become a lot more standardized. And as we, our communities work together, it's kind of more, you know, it's never easy. I, I will never say easy because Manfred will, will yell at me if I say easy. <laughs> but it will be a lot, it will lower the barrier to entry much more so that it's a much more approachable thing to have an open data lake uh, and be a mid-tier, small, smaller team of engineers versus, oh, in order to do an open data lake, you have to have you know, an Expedia size worth of engineers, team, engineering team to actually manage this stuff, you know, yeah. and so that's, that's where we're headed towards. And I think that that's the, 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 oh, dare I say it, synergy yeah. <laughs> we're, we're yeah. finding here. So. Yeah, and it's cool how like like it's it really becomes uh, tangible. Like Monica showed it at at the Trino Summit how you can do it with Starburst Galaxy. You had the user group meeting with Burasera how you can do it with Trino. So there's lots of lots of ways to actually get started pretty easily. So that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Thanks again for your comments today, Sujis, uh, and uh, and all of your your uh, your great questions. Um, Benan, uh, did you have anything before we we hop on to the next subject? Uh, yeah, I, I think. Just for today's talk, I think I can feel the, the support. I mean, the, I feel the, the Trino community and the Alexa community, and even with the Iceberg community, I can feel the support from each other. I think, yeah, maybe we can just work together. Maybe we'll deliver the really fantastic thing next oh, yeah. in the future, in the near future. Yeah. It feels great. All right, let's great, say right? in the spirit of community, let's look at that pull request. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> we get on to the next thing. All right. So, uh, yeah, on to the PR of the episode. Oh. 
I got it right that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So this PR of the episode, uh, speaking of community, is actually not going to be coming from the Trino DB Trino repo today. Uh, it is, in fact, coming from the Alexio Alexio. Um, and this is just a huge shout out. So I uh, wanted to give a, a, a huge shout out to, to David. Um, he uh, kind of, I mean... Uh, this this was taking uh, I guess what we had with with uh, Presto at the time and then you know kind of updated some of the terminology and then did some testing to basically make sure that the version uh, which is currently cited uh, still as like 352 um, is uh, is basically that that was working and and everything was was good to go and this happened like where is this this was March 15th of of 2021 was when this was submitted. And so this was literally, I think, uh, two, three, three months, no, just two and a half months, really, uh, yeah. after we had done the rebrand. And uh, I want to say, like, it was rebranding, uh, you know, as, as, as actually Alexio knows, because you all were tacking on at one point and you had to also go through, you know, a, a rebrand and reinvent the name again. Um, it's not easy and it's not, it's, it's a really kind of difficult thing to, once you have an established name that people understand and know and, and kind of resonate with them, uh, it's this, uh, there's this, uh, kind of psychological concept called the mere exposure effect. And once you've been exposed to something enough times, you eventually like become familiar with it and you trust it. Um, and, and when you lose a brand name like that, you know, like we did with, when we had to move away from, uh, the Presto name, it was like. It was like we were starting back at ground zero with this brand new name. And so it really was great to see the support from other communities like Alexio uh, step in and do something like this. I mean, as quickly as you did uh, just two and a half months later uh, and, and bring in, you know, the, the documentation, because that brings in all the people that are currently on, you know, Presto and, and Alexio going, oh, OK, there this is two separate things. And in fact, you know, if you look at our our GitHub stars, once people actually realized that there was not just, you know, one Presto, once they realized there was a whole separate community, uh, our star or GitHub stars just shot through the roof uh, because people were aware, oh, it's a different thing. So it's it's just really interesting. Like you think names and branding is a very simple thing and marketing is like not a big deal, but like it has a huge impact about how people perceive the reality of, of a project even. And so, um, so we, we wanted to just say a huge thanks to, to you all for, for doing this so quickly after, uh, that, and, and particularly thanks to, uh, to David and, uh, uh, Lou, Lou Q, uh, over here to, uh, to doing the review here. So, um, so a huge thanks there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is the kind of stuff we had to do a lot, man, a lot of ourselves manually, uh, and then also just seeing that happen organically was was also super great. So, so I wanted to highlight that. And also, uh, as uh, you you mentioned before, Ben, it's kind of cool that this was PR literally thirteen thousand. <laughs> Feels like a lot. That's like a level up for community or something like that. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. So uh, without further ado, let's hop on to the final thing, which is not going to be a real thing. Uh, it's going to be the demo of the episode. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, I was not able to get the demo actually working in time. Uh, so what what I'm going to do when when I when I uh, do these types of things, I 
uh, we'll, we'll typically just, um, you know, have a, have a separate video that I'll create afterwards. Um, and I will nest this into the, um, the, the show notes before we actually get the show notes totally released. So, um, so bear with me whenever I, I get that done, I might, uh, get that done like either later, uh, tomorrow or, or maybe sometime early next week. Uh, and then we'll essentially uh, be able to run through this. But what I want to basically do is um, I have uh, my Trino getting started repo. And what we're going to do in this, uh, oops, getting started. So what we're going to do in this is uh, there will eventually be another folder here that will have uh, Alexio. And it's, uh, or actually, no, it, uh, did I, did I thought I already pushed this. I push it here or did I put it under iceberg actually? See if I, oh yeah, I know I didn't push it here. So it'll actually be under here. It'll be under iceberg and it'll be under uh, um, Trino iceberg Alexio Minio, Minio. So what it's gonna do is it's just gonna give you literally like a small toy sandbox project that's gonna already have all of these steps done for you. And ultimately you'll just run Docker compose up and uh, and be able to run a couple queries. And what I really want to show, so I have it kind of running in the background right now, this uh, this thing. But uh, what I really want to show is like, you know, we'll we'll all, we'll always be able to show the things that we've shown previously, where you can kind of log into. Oh, why is my Minio not working? Local. Well, you were in the middle of setting all this up, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's not clearly not working right now. But usually you can go on to Min.io and you'll see the actual files listed out there. Um, and so uh, so what I wanted to do for this is like uh, essentially run a, a quick um, query where it would it would be already, you know, I would populate the data sitting in, in Min.io and then run a separate query where that would actually get populated into Alexio. And so they kind of drive home the point of, of how this stuff is working. And so yeah, you can literally see the, the files sort of moving over into the cache and being and cached. This, this was a manual test that I ran, which actually didn't end up uh, working. So because my stuff's broken right now, but uh, the ideal thing that we'll have at the, at the end of this, when you, you know, we'll run through this will be to actually go through, run the query, uh, get the data in MinIO and then run the query, get it in Alexio. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, we don't have anything with a small little toy project like this, you won't be able to do anything where you're seeing the speed ups or anything, but it'll at least get the, the concept a little more concrete on, on how you get the stuff set up. And then you'll have a nice example of, of how to play with it uh, at scale on, on some side project that you're doing. So, uh, so that's, cool. that will be uh, coming up. So keep, keep uh, your eyes peeled for that. And uh, without further ado, I took myself out. That's pretty much uh what we what we have uh, for the show today um <laughs> sujith says good night everyone <laughs> uh i guess you're oh yeah you're in india standard time so good night sujith thanks for for joining the show today um and everyone and, else that hung out with us <laughs> yes and everybody else that was that was that was here uh even if you were just silently listening and, and, and enjoying the conversation uh happy to have you here Ben, uh, if people want to find you, I, I know you're on Trino Slack, but how do they get involved in like the Luxio community or if they want to like, you know, uh, or just ping you our Slack channel. We have the, uh, the, our Luxio Slack and that's basically our, uh, yeah, give me a second. So they should go bug you or, or there are other people they should, uh, Jasmine, go to, yeah, I know Jasmine, Jasmine. Is a, Jasmine is a default person, community person on the Slack channel. 
for right. us, and she will route the query. She will route route the questions to us. Or sometimes it, you can just people can just post this on the troubleshooting channel. Mm -hmm. By the way, we actually uh, for Slack channel we were doing we did a survey across different open source communities, and we found that Trino is really running a very good. Uh, community program on the Slack channel. So we we say, hey, this is how they're doing this. We should like, uh, there's a lot of things we can learn from from the other open source, accident open source communities. Oh yeah. yeah. So we were also uh, doing a lot of things similar. Yeah, but they basically post it on the troubleshooting channel and we will jump on that or someone else will ping me to jump on that. Yeah, we I've stolen a lot of ideas from from other communities too. So it's like it's everybody everybody helps each other out, right? <laughs> yeah, Again, yeah, exactly. So, cool. All right. Well, uh, with that, uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll wrap this up. Uh, we'll see you all. Uh, well, I will not be on the next one. It'll be Cole and Manfred running the show there, and uh, they'll they'll be coming out with a topic here shortly. Uh, we'll see you all next month. Thanks for uh, joining us. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for hosting this session. Music for the show is from the Mega Man 6 gameplay album by Shishtof Swabikowski. Don't forget to give us a star on the Trino repository at github.com forward slash TrinoDB forward slash Trino. And for more information on future shows and to find show notes, check out trino.io forward slash broadcast.